What's up, everybody? I'm David Hain. Welcome to the 51st episode of the A to D from Addict to Disciple podcast. I want to thank everyone who sent messages in response to last week's episode. As a result, I'll be launching a weekly group for people addicted to pornography. If you'd like to be part of this online group, send me a message by email at david from a to d at gmail.com or go to my website www.fromatod.org and click on the contact page. When we come back, we'll get into this episode entitled, Is It Time to Decriminalize Drugs? Welcome back to this episode entitled, Is It Time to Decriminalize Drugs? For this episode, I utilized information mainly from three places. First, the Department of Health in Australia's analysis of the models used to develop drug policies and drug treatment historically. Second, the Recovery Research Institute's review of the pros and cons of legalizing drug use. And third, the Drug Policy Alliance's study of the results of Portugal's 2005 move to decriminalize drugs. Right off the top, I want to say I understand this could be a controversial episode, so I want to hear from as many of you as possible uh, of your ideas, opinions, reactions. Just just flood me with, with your reactions and feedback. I'd love it. Well, let's start by looking at some of the models people have used to set up policies about drug use. As you listen to these, I want to encourage you to identify with which of the models best represents your views and feelings about addiction. The first one we'll look at is the moral model. This philosophy is a couple of hundred years old and comes from the view that drug use is a sin and that people who use drugs were morally weak and addiction was the evidence of immorality of character. Drug users were seen as deserving of punishment, public beatings and ridicule, and jail time. The focus of the time in jail was typically solitary confinement where they could reflect on their need of spiritual repentance for their sins. As the jails became full, drug users were put in mental institutions. This model has historically led to government policies like prohibition, the war on drugs, and numerous laws that make drugs illegal and the expansion of prisons. The next model I'd like to look at is the disease model. This focuses on the belief that addiction is a disease and that people with this illness cannot control their use of drugs once they have had their first taste. This explains the powerlessness to stop and the irresistible cravings which often lead to criminal behavior to obtain more drugs. This model views the disease as a chronic condition which cannot be cured and can only be treated by lifelong abstinence. Alcoholics Anonymous, otherwise known as AA, is based on the disease model. 
Next, let's look at the psychodynamic model. This theory was originated by Sigmund Freud and is still used today as a way of treating people with drug problems. The basic philosophy behind the psychodynamic model is that we can link problems to our childhood and how we cope or don't cope as adults. In other words, drug use or misuse may be an unconscious response to some of the difficulties individuals may have experienced in childhood. This philosophy forms the basis of many counseling approaches which aim to gain insight into an individual's unconscious motivations and try to enhance their self-image. The next model is the social learning model. About 50 years ago, this model was introduced as an idea that dependence is not only a chemical issue, but a behavioral and social one in nature. This view emphasizes that anyone who engages in activity that they find pleasurable is at risk of developing dependence on that activity. Dependence is seen as a learned behavior that results from conditioning, modeling, and thinking about the substance. Addictive behaviors are only terminated when the individual makes the decision that the costs of continued use are vastly greater than the benefits. Next, let's look at the socio-cultural model. This has become popular in recent decades. Unlike other models, it focuses on the idea that the type of society in which people live has an impact on their drug use. In particular, this makes links between inequality and drug use. It suggests that people who belong to groups who are culturally and socially disadvantaged are more likely to experience substance abuse problems. It also recognizes that society labels users of certain substances as deviant, thereby creating further problems. Because this model links substance abuse to the conditions of a wider society, the solution to drug problems revolves around changing the social environment rather than just treating individuals. This involves developing ways to address poverty, poor housing, and discrimination. The last model we'll present today is the public health model. This model focuses on harm reduction, which is a set of ideas and interventions that seek to reduce the harms associated with both drug use and ineffective drug policies. It is based on acknowledging the dignity and humanity of people who use drugs and bringing them into a community of care in order to minimize negative consequences and promote the best health and social inclusion. This can include ending the discrimination against drug users, reducing drug overdoses, providing supervised consumption services for people who use drugs, and immunity from arrest for witnesses to an overdose. Wow, there's a good list. Where do you fit? The last one leads us into the key focus of this episode, which is, is it time to decriminalize drugs? Let me start by defining 
decriminalization of drugs and how that is different from legalization. Legalization would be similar to alcohol and tobacco where it's legal to acquire, possess it, and use it. Then the government decides on how these items are commercialized, distributed, and what taxes will be imposed on the sale and the manufacture of them. Decriminalization, on the other hand, means if you are caught with personal use quantities of drugs, you are not going to face criminal charges and will not go to jail and will not criminal record. So the drugs may still officially be illegal, but decriminalization means the removal of criminal penalties for personal use. Some areas have retained the right to give you a fine similar to a traffic ticket if you are using drugs in public, for instance. Some governments have chosen a type of de facto decriminalization where the police and the courts have moved to no longer enforce the laws prohibiting personal use. Let's look at some pros and cons of decriminalization. First, the pros. Well, it costs less money to run addiction treatment programs and rehabs than it does to keep people in prison. Also, even though many prisons do have treatment programs, it is more difficult for inmates to establish lasting recovery from inside prison than it is in rehabs. And the stigma of being a convicted felon is harder to overcome in seeking employment and returning to society than the stigma of successfully completing rehab. Some of the cons of decriminalization that I hear are that individuals with a biological predisposition towards addiction may be more likely to experiment with drugs if they do not fear legal prosecution. Also, people say the existing treatment resources are not nearly large enough to handle the influx of new addicts that could be released from the legal system. And probably the one I hear most is that community fear of safety from addicts and the potential increase in crime if prison is not a deterrent could tear apart our neighborhoods. Well, what does the evidence from Portugal look like today? Well, prior to decriminalization, Portugal had one of the highest rates of overdose deaths in Europe and drug-related issues were listed as the main social problem in the country. Because of this, the government launched an extensive study which began in the late 90s. And some of their key conclusions were that drugs and drug use are not inherently evil and that a drug-free society is an unattainable thing. And finally, that punitive policies are unethical and ineffectual. So, 15 years ago, Portugal decriminalized drugs. Well, what happened? Well, the overdose deaths decreased by over 80%. The percentage of P 
people who were being diagnosed with HIV and AIDS who were drug users fell from 52% to 6%. And incarceration for drug offenses decreased by over 40%. Let's look at just the first one again. The overdose deaths decreased by over 80%. In 2017, there were more than 72,000 overdose deaths in the United States. If the U.S. death rate was on par with Portugal's for that year, there would have been fewer than 800 overdose deaths in 2017. So what's the right choice for your country or your state or your province or your neighborhood? Are your policies being determined by decades or centuries old models of dealing with addiction? Are you afraid to decriminalize drug use because of what it might do to your culture, your society, and your neighborhood? I'd like to close with two quotes for you to ponder as if you didn't have enough so far. First, Senator Cory Booker from New Jersey said, and I quote, for decades, the failed war on drugs has locked up millions of nonviolent drug offenders, especially for marijuana-related offenses, at an incredible cost of human potential, torn apart families and communities, and taxpayer dollars. My second quote comes from former Secretary General of the United Nations, Kofi Annan, who said, and I quote, Drugs have destroyed many lives, but wrong-headed government policies have destroyed many more. I think it's obvious that after 40 years of the war on drugs, it has not worked. There, there should be decriminalization of drugs. Thanks for listening to this episode of the A to D from Addict to Disciple podcast. I really would enjoy your feedback. I know I stirred some thoughts today, so just send your feedback um, through the website, through my email, through the links on Anchor, any way you can get a hold of me. And if you enjoy these podcasts, please share the link with your friends. If you'd like to support our work with people caught in the snare of addiction, homelessness, or incarceration anywhere in the world, click on the support link in this episode's description. Your donation of any amount could change a life. Tune in Monday for our next episode. And as always, stay safe and stay strong.